This is Keep Up. I'm your host, Cynthia Dillitz. Monday, January 1st, 2024. A very happy and healthy new year to everyone. It's good to be back after two weeks of holiday madness. So much fun. A-plus holiday. A trifecta, a, a, a cocktail mix of Santa, of course, and the story of a baby in a manger and peace in the Middle East that seems so relevant. And then so much love. That's the third ingredient this year that really, really pushed the holiday over the top in terms of memorable days. Um, Both of my adult children were home and they have both apparently fallen head over heels in love. And it was so obvious in their eyes and their spirit and it suits them so well and it made for so much fun. And I feel so blessed. The, The gifts I got this year too were just unbelievably thoughtful. I got everything that I I wanted really for the first time in my life. And the decorations, uh, I would say A minus, very whimsical outdoor lighting, thanks to my husband, lots of candles. Um, The place looked shiny and nice, lots of candy, presents, uh, good to be past Shady's puppyhood. We're, We're sending off 2023 as the year of Shady. We survived. She was a crazy maniac as a dog, an exuberant, large black lab who uh, we love to death. And we're so happy that she's settled down a little bit. Um, 2024, I mean, I look ahead. You know, C.S. Lewis said, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Well, I hope the year 2024 ends with me doing more consistent good content and, and the reason is because I think it's important to have a voice uh, that's fighting the scourge on the left, the radical leftists who are sort of lit, like leading the, the, the state of Maine off the cliff, you know, of the welfare industrial complex. So that's the purpose really of this show is to, for, you know, moderating common sense advocate for, for democracy and, and capitalism and the American dream as I guess once a Democrat, but beginning last week for the first time in decades, I'm unenrolled. And the purpose of my unenrolling as a Democrat and becoming so-called independent is Maine's new law gearing up for 2024. I mean, January 15th is the Iowa caucus. January 23rd is the New Hampshire primary. Right around the corner is Super Tuesday. And in Maine, we have a chance to put someone on the Republican ticket other than Donald Trump. Instead of, you know, resorting like Shannabellos did to sort of, you know, usurping, doing a political stunt, really, you can use the tools that we have at hand. And Maine's new law allows anyone to become unenrolled. And on Super Tuesday, as long as you've been unenrolled for at least 15 days, you can go in and vote on the Republican primary. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to vote for Nikki Haley because this presidential contest that's coming up, you know, in a couple, you know, 11 months will be decided by a handful of votes. Of course, the issue about whether Donald Trump can be on the ballot will go to the Supreme Court, and I bet donuts to dollars that it's going to be resolved in his favor because, you know, like we are a democracy, and until he's convicted of a crime, the people, I think, the voters should decide who's eligible, and he hasn't been convicted of a rebellion. Whether Article 14 applies, we'll see. I still, no matter, I think Donald Trump should lose the election fair and square, and I intend to fight him on it fair and square using the tools at my disposal. So I hope anyone who's listening and, and wants to have a, a true contest in November between Joe Biden, who's going to be the Democratic nominee, whether you think he's too old or not, you have to get over it. He's not too old. He's he's going to be the nominee. 
who he runs against on the Republican side is somewhat up to all of us. And that's why I, I encourage everyone to, to, to do what they can using the tools at hand. And, and the other thing that I'm going to be focused on, trying to do like two shows a week in addition to the election, is, uh, is the housing issue because I'm just so up close to it and I see so clearly how like some policies that with good intentions have produced a, a bloated, uh, ineffective system that doesn't solve our problems. We have put so much money in housing in Maine, and yet the number of homeless people keeps rising, and the quality of housing that's available is not getting any better. It's, it's, there might be, it, 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 we have this bleak housing just littering the landscape everywhere you go now. They're putting up these cookie-cutter buildings that are nondescript, have no architectural flair whatsoever, you know, pocked, riddled with, with heat pumps that are so poorly designed, so ugly to look at. It's just, it's a shame that we, and, and all in the name of, of allegedly trying to address a housing crisis, and obviously it's not working. And it's not working because, well, it's not working for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is because we are just have way too many housing advocates. We have a system that's bloated all kinds of people so you know allegedly working to advocate for housing and none of them (laughs) really you know producing a single home it's just a joke I can tell you with personal experience I have a a a very uh, ongoing active example of how the system fails you know I, I represent somebody who is in desperate need of housing and like agency after agency nonprofit after nonprofit would lead us down a primrose path of applications and humiliating interviews and time-consuming reporting and and for nothing. You know, like the city of Biddeford pays a director, uh, I don't know, probably between, I would, if I had to guess, between eighty dollars and $100,000. And the advice that I got from her was to, uh, you know, after a couple of, you know, I guess she made a couple of phone calls and did what she could talking to her contacts. And her bottom line was I should you know, try Airbnb. Uh, we had a nonprofit, Habitat for Humanity. I mean, reels of paperwork, lots of time-consuming interviews, and, and then afterwards, you know, the obvious reason they, they denied my client because they said, well, she, because of her immigration status, which was a given from the get-go, um, the Quality Housing Coalition, okay, this, this outfit that apparently is you know, funded a nonprofit with the great mission statement, supposedly does a lot of good things. My experience was somebody led, like, it was so discouraging. This guy basically set me up to have my expectations so high. I told my client, oh, you have to definitely come and see this apartment, this organization. I vetted it. It appears to be legitimate. There appears to be an apartment available that we have to jump on. It's a little bit higher than you thought, but meet me there. I confirmed with the guy that day. I said, this is just confirmed that, you know, this landlord is going to meet me and my client at this apartment. It's really important. Time is of the essence. This is a young family. They're about to be exposed to no housing in the winter. The guy says, oh, yeah, yeah, he's going to show. The landlord didn't show. And I never heard another thing from the nonprofit. I mean, the Opportunity Alliance reaches out to me and says, like, I'm an advocate and I'm you know, I got wind that your client needs help, and I, I get back to them and go through the, you know, the process of setting up an account so I can access the message and take phone calls and blah, 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 blah. And then they, again, ghost me, not, not a single thing. Gateway Community Services, nothing. This 
Cooperative Development Institute completely useless at, at actually achieving any of the goals that allegedly it stands for. So in my view, this, the policies that are being pushed by the extreme left are failing us when it comes to housing. Not only on this micro, you know, micro level, when it, you know, low-income people who it's practically impossible to break through the bureaucracy of the Maine State Housing Authority for all of its advertisements about housing opportunities and for all of its glossy policies. They are impenetrable. Most banks, I had to go through five banks to get a mortgage for somebody for a loan of about $100,000. It has been a paperwork, like I have a file as big as, say, a federal court case. It's been so, uh, it's, it's just unbelievable to me that the amount of paperwork and obstacles that the Maine State Housing Authority has in, in accessing these programs that it keeps bragging about. So there's some real um, there's some real problems. And, and, you know, you can see the welfare industrial complex is, is a thing. You know, you look no further than California, New York, these democratically run states that once were so great when it came to the economy, the quality of life, the social and, and cultural policies, you know, for the most part, center-left, now they have been almost, you know, ruined. So, you know, whether it's expanding Medicaid to illegal immigrants, whether it's, um, you know, providing um, government-sponsored drug uh, facilities for people to do drugs, whether it's, um, you know, just keep dumping money into housing and, and creating all these nonprofit entities that just basically are tools for the rich. This low-income tax credit is a is something that I really think needs to be uh, seriously looked at because we are spending so much public money on these projects for a an end result that it really doesn't it doesn't do anything to get people ahead. It doesn't support families in expanding. It doesn't support the economy. It doesn't support the you know the the quality of life or the level of just quality of life issues. We're, 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 we're the lowest common denominator can't be what the goal is for, for Maine and for, and for housing policy. So I'm excited about the podcast. My goal is to have a couple of conversations, maybe twice a week to stay current on the state of political affairs in Maine and to stay, you know, in tune to this housing issue. Of course, locally in Cape Elizabeth, there's a huge ongoing issue. Maybe you didn't hear that, uh, the Housing Diversity Study Committee at the last minute sort of threw a poison pill on the issue of developing community housing at Goldcrest by saying, well, on the spot that Cynthia's been talking about, we don't have any evidence to support this conclusion, but we conclude it's inappropriate and instead are going to recommend developing affordable housing on the athletic fields, which is just a ridiculous suggestion. And so we're going to be back to square one for, for a little bit, just getting this town council up to speed on why the Housing Diversity Study Committee report is not reliable and should not be followed. There's going to be a divided report, but it's an ongoing issue. And and, and the issue really is uh, clouded by stories, you know, local politics that don't get reported on in the paper, like the obvious bias of the chair and one of the committee members, you know, the connection between uh, this welfare industrial complex that I'm talking about. Okay, if you look in the Wall Street Journal, Alicia Finley did an article on published, I guess, December 31st. And, um, you know, it just talks about how in progressive states, it's 
It's the money that we keep pouring towards these feel-good uh, bureaucracies, hoping that we're solving problems that is really causing the economy to suffer and most of all, just denigrating the quality of life, which, which I want to fight against. And I want you to fight with me and I want you to stay with me. And that's why I hope you subscribe. I hope you give me a good rating on the podcast and I hope you stay tuned. And until next time, this is Cynthia Dill signing off. Take care. Happy New Year. 